You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Meet the residents of Element City. Air usually has their head in the clouds. Oh, my new jacket. Earth can be a little seedy. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing weird going on here. Uh, Just a little pruning. Water is always getting into something. (laughs) And fire? As ordered, we run a little hot. This shop is dream of our family. Someday it'll all be yours. But we all live by one simple rule. Elements cannot mix. The pipe squished me all out of shape. Dang. That's better. Oh. So you've never left Firetown? Sorry, buddy. Elements don't mix. Plus, my dad would boil you alive. Why does anyone get to tell you what you can do in your life? Come on! Why do they even have these? Eh, who knows. Watch this! Whoa! Ember, I see a change in you. Guy, you live here? It's my mom's place. We got two kids that are swimming around here somewhere. Orca, follow! <laughs> I've been trying to fill my father's shoes, but I never once asked what I wanted to do. Try this! Dad, those are too hot. I love hot food. You see, he likes it. (laughs) Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode. We have a great one for you tonight. And this one, we're going back to Pixar World. That's right. We are looking at Elemental the new film by our friends over at Disney and Pixar. And this one shows, you know, do elements mix? And, you know, it's interesting seeing the elemental world brought to life and very cleverly in a lot of ways. But it tells so many different stories. It tells the immigrant story. It tells story about some kind of, about racism. It tells stories about, you know, inclusion and living up to family values and such. It was just, there's like so many different things we got to talk about with this one. And we got a great crew here to talk all about it. Of course, let's welcome Rob Levy to the show. Hey, greetings and felicitations. How are you, my friend? Long time no see. Yeah, no, I'm good. Good to have you here. Thank you. And welcome back. Shirley's back. Welcome. Hi, what's up? Haven't seen you since our science episode. <laughs> That was a ton of fun to have you then, and it's great to talk about this fun film. And, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy! And we have a great one to talk about, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at our Station One is the best way to get in touch with us. But before we go any further, if you haven't seen the film yet, we are going to spoil the heck out of this one. So be prepared. There's We're going to talk about the ins and outs, the heat and the cold, the hot and the wet. So it should be a ton of fun to do. So, Mr. Mike, whenever you're ready. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, we're going to start with the box office, which uh, unfortunately was not a great story. Uh, as of today, uh, as we're recording this Monday, Elemental has grossed uh, 30, a little over $33 million in the United States and Canada. Another 15 million in other territories for a worldwide gross, uh, gross of uh, 48.5 million. That is the that is pretty low. 
It's lower. It's lower than Disney wanted and projected. Um, and it's also the uh, low, lowest uh, opening weekend ever for a Pixar movie. Um, there's probably a lot of reasons for this, as I think we've talked about just in our last episode with The Flash. And we've talked about with other episodes this summer. Uh, the box office is uh, pretty, uh, pretty underwhelming. Uh, at least the box office numbers are underwhelming uh, overall this year. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, of course. Um, but uh, surely, let me talk. Let me ask you: Do you think there's any reason in particular that this movie didn't do that well this weekend? Well, let's see. Let's see. One factor could be the weather, because it's been raining and storming, <laughs> probably keeping people from going to the theater. Another thing is, it might have been. I went. I saw it yesterday. I'm thinking it might have been too, how should I say this, too intricate? You know, like, it might be too, like, too high for kids. I mean, I understood it without a problem, but, you know, I'm not sure. Because I went to the theater yesterday, I think there were about maybe eight of us in the theater. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but it was only 9.45, so that's not bad, having 9.45 in the morning screening. But I think I think you know a lot of it is it had some rough competition, of course, with the Flash also. But you know the Flash didn't do very well either. No, it did so. not. It did not do well at all either. Um, Rob, any any thoughts from you about uh, this movie in particular in this summer? So I think part of this is too is that the cat's kind of out of the bag, and that people have realized that anything that Disney releases. Is in a few months going to be on the channel? So I think you know, uh, like a woman in in line said, you know, um, in the, that I heard in the theater was like, well, I could take my kid now, or I can just wait four months and see it on TV for free, right? Probably so even less than that, right? Well, I think that's part of it, right? I think that it's not necessarily some of it could be that's a little highbrow because we don't really teach science anymore, but some of it too is I think it. It never really got marketed. I had, haven't really seen any marketing for this or a whole lot of trailers or anything, right? Sadly, I think some of it is the Disney backlash um, because a large group of, of of adults that have kids aren't really plugged in. And then when any, whenever anyone complains about a movie, left or right, it does affect the movie, as we've kind of learned in the last couple months. Mm-hmm. And I still think people aren't coming out to theaters like the industry had hoped, unless it's an event movie. And I also think that some of it is probably weather related. I mean, I realize a large part of the country has got storms. The Pacific Northwest, I think, has got record heat. Um, and I'm not of course sure. Of Texas have crazy heat right now. Yeah, so I think so, some of So you're I, saying a cause might be the element. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I also think, too, that, you know, people are so burdened and encumbered with the issues of the world that a movie that talks about global warming and immigration and acceptance and diversity, just I think a lot of people are just like, hey, I want to get away from that, you know. Um, but there are equally numbers of people that are excited about that and just want to hear the good storytelling. But I do think that, you know, we have to eliminate the, um, uh, the common denominator here and just assume that people are going to believe anything bad, you know, they hear about a movie. And if the people that don't like a movie don't like a movie, they are generally lately louder than the people that do. So I think that's part of it as well. I don't Mike, think agree with that at all. I think Rob pretty much hit it on the head. Sorry. But I think the big, big thing with it is I think, a lot of it is you could see this on Disney Plus probably by the end of the summer. It's almost a guarantee that it'll be there, especially because it hit so low. I know, I think, Rob, you and I were talking about it earlier that some of the theaters are already pulling showings of it and replacing it like with Fast X and other movies. Well, I, was, I was trying to see it two or three times, and they're doing it not just with this film, but in general. Yeah. Now, and some of it too is that big films in the studios want the bigger films to get more screen times. So there, some of this is an industry pushing, a studio pushing, right? But, and that's a whole separate show for later. But um, I think a lot of it is, you know, like you go to the theater 
and it's like they haven't sold any tickets or they've sold two or three, they'll wait a half an hour before and just show something else if they've got overflow or over demand, right? Um, while this may not necessarily be a big thing in larger cities like Atlanta or New York, if you're in like Dubuque, Iowa, right, mm-hmm. and everybody's going to see Fast X, then having a second theater, which only seats 200 people to begin with, right? Or, you know, if you're in Wyoming or some other non-large uh, city, that's kind of an issue, right? Um, so I think I think that's part of it is that some some places just aren't showing it as or as frequently, or they're just having one or two screenings, like one afternoon and one evening, or just mm-hmm. one afternoon, or more, one place uh, here had a 10.30 a.m. screening, and it was the only screening of it during the day. Oh, and, wow. that was a, and that was a Sunday, right? So, you know, I think there is some of that, too, and that um, theater owners are, are uh, because they need to make money, are putting the money, the stuff that's going to get butts in seats and make money exactly. in theaters. I know. Because, I'll, I'll give an example. Last year, I was going to see Black Adam in the theater. But what happened was, I get in the theater, you know, I go into the movie, start the movie, and then all of a sudden I see the Universal logo. Like, Wait a minute, something's not right here. Then the moment I see George Clooney step out, like, nope, this is not Black Adam. It turned out the theater had canceled the movie, but the staff never knew it. So they gave me a free ticket to a following movie. <laughs> interesting. Because, yeah, it was interesting because we went to a later show of it on, I think, Saturday night. And we went to like 930. And we were literally were the only ones in the theater. And the persons at the, you know, when we were buying tickets, they said, you're the only ones in there. If you didn't show up after five minutes, we would have canceled the film. And, you know, that's what most theaters are doing. Why they don't want to waste electricity to, you know, show the film or just nobody anymore. And, but it was funny as heck because the next theater over was Spider-Man across the, you know, the Spider-Verse and it was completely packed the Mm -hmm. film and everything. And so I just, another animated film, but different audiences, obviously. Yeah, but I, think, I I enjoyed the film and it was yeah. it was neat to see Pixar because Pixar's animation is always groundbreaking for me. And it's yes. you know, the detail on the computers is just literally since Toy Story, the first Toy Story, you know, has each time another film comes out, you know, the details and everything. And now the details with like the water and the fire and the flames and everything. It was just it was just beautiful. It was truly, truly beautiful. I think some of it, too, is that, you know, Marvel has done a very good job of making everyone think that every one of their movies has to be seen in a theater, right? So people will go. I think the only way to really, truly appreciate a Pixar movie is to see it in a theater, but I don't think they've conveyed that same messaging in their promotion. Not at all. In fact, uh, last year with Lightyear was the first Pixar movie that be released in the theater in three years. Um, and so this is coming off of that. And I do think in addition to everything that you guys said, which I agree with, because I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's everything adding together here. I think, uh, Pixar's brand is not really strong right now. Um, I, you know, Lightyear came out last year. It wasn't a huge hit. It's been a while since Pixar had a huge hit that everybody was talking about. Um, so I think that they are kind of struggling with um you know getting people back now whether or not the movies are good or not it's beyond that's beside the point but as far as getting word out there that it used to be you know 15 years ago even 10 years ago if pixar made a movie everybody went to see it because you knew what you were that you were going to see something special i think that's been a bit watered down uh over the course of the last few years and i think because you haven't had to go to a theater to see the last few Pixar movies. Um, it affected this one as well. Um, and like you guys said too, the movie, like this movie season is the first one we've had since the pandemic. That is crazy busy. Like this is the, like, we had two movies open this, this weekend. We've had two movies open in the last week. Like it's just every weekend, one or two movies is coming out and people just, are not going to keep up with that kind of pace. And so they're going to have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And when they make decisions, they're, if they're only going to see one movie, um, you know, a month, maybe this is probably not it. But the thing is, they're not crushing it. That's the thing. Any of these films this summer so far. Yeah. I know. I think because... Spider-Verse is doing pretty well. 
Yeah, I mean, Spider Verse is happened? doing the best, but out of everything, but yeah. There's still more to come, and I don't know how long. Yeah, because, let's see, what? At one point, you had Fast X, number one, then Little Mermaid, number one, then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, number one, Transformers uh, Rise of the Beast, number one. Was Flash number one? No. Yes. Oh. Flash is one, but it's the same universe as all the other. No, I'm not talking about Flash was number one this weekend, is what I mean, in the the box office. Yeah, Yeah. but it was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a strong weekend, but, I mean... it's it's just like you know every week we've had a different number one. It's like this summer is just crazy. Well, some of it too is that the cost of going to the movies is now higher than it was before the pandemic too. Absolutely right. Yeah, so, I, I went to a nine forty. I went to the nine forty five. I paid like seven bucks because it was a matinee. You get you get Disney Plus for the whole month with what you pay to go see Elemental for That's one true. for for two hours. Um, and I, I do think. Yeah, I think that's right. And I also think that there's people holding out for Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible and oh, yeah. you know, a couple other things. They're going to wait till those to spend their Like money. Mission Impossible gets to Paramount Plus, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So so let's talk about Elemental. Let's talk about the movie itself. Um, now, I think another reason that it's not doing strong, the word of mouth on this is not great. The reviews have been mediocre to bad. Um the most like 70 76% of the uh, critics reviews are positive, but the um, audience one is, is, is uh, pretty low. Um, the cinema score is pretty strong. So that, that means something, but I want to know about, I don't care about all of them. I want to hear about you guys. Uh, Shirley, we'll start with you. What okay. were your thoughts going into this movie? And when you came out, were you satisfied? Let's see. When I came in, I I just had low expectations because I'm I didn't know what to expect because all I know is, is like you got uh, a woman of fire, gentleman made of water. I love their names, Ember Lumen and Wade Ripple. I know, I love it. It's that awesome. was so funny. I like that part. But um, when I came out, it's like that's I mean it wasn't that bad a movie, not the best movie, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. As I, you know, I like the way what the story is doing, but one thing I didn't like was a bit of the pacing, because it's like they were switching something from one thing to another, like especially with the with the uh, wooden, you know, where the water's crashing in, and they have that wooden. It's like they suddenly changed to something else, then back to that. It's like it thro- it did throw me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, what about you? What were your thoughts going in and then coming out? So I really liked it. Um, I was expecting. So generally, I, I have not even really, there's only been one Pixar movie I've really just generally not liked, right? But I generally was excited about it, and I'm glad I saw it, and I'm glad I saw the Carl's date feature before. Yes, it. I like that. Which was, that, that was, was wonderful. wonderful. Which was, that... was like, just set the table, I thought, really well for setting sort of an emotional tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really clever in how it created this world. The world building on this is pretty incredible. Um, you know, the you can you can sort of see the stamp of the animators in film. Uh, it's ambitious in terms of what it's trying to tell. Uh, what it's trying to tell. There's lots of cool little um, Easter eggs in it. You know, the names of things and signs and things, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was a a great story that told a lot of important values in a very simplistic way. Um, you know, air, fire, water, boom, done. Right. And I thought it was really kind of clever. No one's really sort of explored that type of an idea before in a film. And I just, you know, considering the, all the animated trailers I saw before, it looked just dumb. I oh, thought it was really garbage. Yeah. I, I just thought it was really intelligent. I thought it was, um, it looked great. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was really, really great storytelling and world building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? No, I agree with what both uh, everybody has said so far. And it's interesting too, because it was an interesting concept and, you know, the fire and water and living in a world of different elements. And I liked how they represented coming to the new world for a family of immigrants and I thought, and having to build their lives and everything. 
and, you know, them having to go through the adversity, no fire allowed and all that, and then finding their place and building up the, the family business and everything. And there's so many cultures it, it represented it in that. And it was really, really nice to see. I actually didn't like the character of Amber at first. I thought she was kind of bitchy and not very likable. And she grew on me as the story long, as she mellowed out. I think they started fleshing out the character more. And I thought that was really, really well done. I like the character of Wade. He's just the lovable goofball. And it was just, it was just really interesting. And like Rob said, I loved the play on the names on everything. If you stay all the way through the credits, they have so many candy bars or store signs and everything playing on the names. And Judy and I were just like sitting there, you know, reading them off and just giggling and everything. Because by the time it was done, it was getting close to midnight. And so it was just like, okay, let's just have fun with it. And, but it was, and especially since we were the only ones in the theater, we had no problem yelling it out loud and hurry. <laughs> so it was cool with that. And then to top it off with the short with Doug and Carl was awesome. Was and that Andrew's last role before he died? That was his yeah. last one. He's mm-hmm. one of them, yeah. Yep. And so it's, it's sad because we loved up was just our, is our favorite. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, so it was just interesting to see what we got with the storylines with the movie. And I liked the, the parents and I love the generational story. And I thought it, I thought it worked really well. And the, it was, it was a smarter movie than I was expecting it to be. Um, so this year, uh, I've been taking a look at Pixar as a company and every week I've been watching, uh, one of their movies, I started from their very first short in 1984, and I've just every week been watching. Uh, and Disney Plus makes it really easy to do that. They even have a category. If you go to Pixar, it's Pixar through the years, and you can just – So, um, so where I'm at now is uh, about five or six years ago, uh, 2017, 2016, and – the first 10, 15 years of Pixar is absolutely incredible. I mean, they are breaking new ground. They are, the storytelling is strong. They're introducing new, new, not just great animation, but great characters and great stories. Um, one right after another, right after another. Um, none of the movies that I've seen has, have, have absolutely like tanked yet. So I haven't gotten to one that's absolutely been, but I will say my least favorite of all of them was the good dinosaur. And it just so happens that the good dinosaur is directed by Peter Sung, who directed this movie. Now, good dinosaur was one that Peter took over for. So he was just playing cleanup uh, during the making of that one. So I don't really, I don't really put pin that movie entirely on him as far as it being not a great movie. Um, but or not a great at Pixar experience, I should say. Um so I didn't know what to think out of this one because that's the only, I mean, he's done a couple shorts, but that's the only other thing that Peter's, I mean, the only thing that I had to compare to Peter uh, on. So, um, but I saw, I did see trailers for this. I saw trailers for this before almost every movie I've seen this year. Um, I've seen trailers for it on TV. Um, so I, I have seen a few now. Granted, I think that's part of the problem that the movie uh, studios have right now is that nobody is doing the same thing and watching the same thing. So it's really difficult to, to, to you know, where they market things. And uh, so I don't know, you know, I don't know how well they're doing that for this. But but in any case, uh, the concept looked great. And uh, so I, I felt pretty good about seeing the movie just because it's Pixar. I mean, that's usually enough for me. Um, and it was, what I liked about it too, is that it was an original idea. It wasn't just a sequel of theirs. So, uh, so I had decent expectations, not really, really high, but decent. So coming out of there, I, I really liked the movie. I thought it was excellent. I thought, um, I, I thought the characters were great. Um, I did like Ember from start to finish. Uh, she was the one that really glued me to the whole movie. Uh, Wade, I, I went back and forth with really, but, um, but I liked Ember a lot. I think, well, we'll talk about it a little bit, but, um, but I I liked her overall. Um, 
and I thought it was strong. I, you know, it, it's not as strong as I would like. It's not a, you know, it's as great of a movie as some of Pixar's past, but I think it's a solid movie. Um, and uh, it's the best movie I saw, you know, out of the two movies, the two new movies I saw this weekend, which was this one and the flash, I'd put this one over the flash any day of the week. Uh, I would see this one uh, again before I'd see the flash again. So uh, I think it's a, uh, you know, and it, and it, and it makes me happier that Pixar is doing original stuff, and I hope that that this, like, whatever this is with the box office and everything like that, I hope this finds an audience on Disney Plus, like Luna did, and like uh, some of the other Disney movies have that didn't weren't greatly received in the theater, um, so that Pixar can keep making original content movies like this now. I did see a couple of reviews that were, one of them was really, I think, mean and harsh. Uh, this, this person didn't like this movie at all. And they accused, uh, Pixar of basically writing this script with, uh, AI chat GPT. And I, I thought that was a mean comment. I, I didn't feel that way at all. Um, it's, um, but I don't know. What do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about the story itself and, and how it played out? Uh, Rob, we'll start with you this time. So, you know, my comparison to this is Turning Red, which excellent, yep. only made $20 million at the box office, but got nominated for an Oscar and people mm-hmm. loved it. And it's kind of become uh, a movie that people have loved later, right? And it's it's got a lot of the things in place that this Pixar film does and that it's more of a story with motivations in the current world and not as just outlandishly goofy fun like Toy Story is, right? So I think to that end of it, it's different. I think that people just aren't um I don't know. I, I don't know if the reception is is fair or if just people aren't getting it. You know, there's, think, there's some missing yeah. There's a lot of people that are going to be mad because they don't want a, a movie that's that got makes you some, think. Well, that's got some sort of undertones about immigration or global warming or they don't want any of that, right? Mm-hmm. There are and I think, you know, there is a backlash of that, right? That they're fighting off right or wrong. But I also think that some of it is that people expect every Pixar movie to be Toy Story and if it's not, they're not going. Right? They just don't. Right. Yeah, that's probably I mean, it. I know people that hate it up, and I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? Right? <laughs> um, it should be just taken out. I, I generally, yeah. I know Pixar's laid off staff, and I think Mike talked about this a little bit. They've um, kind of had a bit, of, a bit of a rough go of it the past, you know, five or six years. But I will go to their films to support them because I want to support well-told animated films. And so sometimes if you want that, you have to be in the 23% that likes a movie and fight like hell to get the word of mouth out about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then deal with the 76% of people that went to film school, but didn't go to animated film school or that this is too lowbrow or too highbrow for, right? Critic reviews shouldn't matter. Just listen to what people, you know, like, or, do your own sort of digging around on it, but take everything with a grain of salt and just give it a try. I also think, you know, a lot of people are saying that they get tired of franchise movies and, and granted you could argue that Pixar is a franchise, but this is an original concept. This is not coming from like, this is not based on a book. It's not based on a cartoon. It's not based on anything other than Pixar creating this from the ground up. You know, they started working on this. Uh, Peter started working on this in 2015. Like, I mean, this has been in development. Pixar doesn't just shoot movies out. <laughs> like, they just, they don't, they don't, you know, it goes through a huge process. And sometimes that process, you know, works better than others. But um, I think if you want to support original content, original ideas uh, and, and, and studios that take chances, then I will always go to Pixar movies because that's what they always do. They, you know, sure. They, even the sequels that they make, they never just phone it in, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm surely sorry, Shirley, you were going to say what, uh, what about? No, no uh, I was just going to say, I think one of the biggest problems is, you know, it's, it's what uh, going back with Rob said, people want escapism. They don't want reality. And unfortunately it was like you said, you know, immigration, 
climate change, you know, it's it's one of those situations like people don't want to go to a movie to think. They just want to go to a movie to escape. Uh, I, I think so. But I think that has um, to be based in some sort of reality, too. I mean, I got and maybe they just don't make movies like this anymore because I got a vibe of like romantic comedies like Moonstruck off of this movie. Um, you know, and they don't really make those much anymore. So it's, I, I mean, is this possible that that's not, I mean, that's having a hard time connecting with people. Um, I, I do think the animation was, uh, amazing in this. I mean, we know Pixar, we've known for years that Pixar can do water and that it can do fire, but mm-hmm. I like the way in this movie they stylized it. Like, like the, the, like Amber's family and in that whole like elemental culture in that city um didn't look just like real flames they looked like stylized characters which i i really appreciated um uh mike what did you think about the because you're a big animation guy what did you think about the animation in this and the style of it because is do you feel like pixar has a certain style that this fits into or is it outside of the box i think it's their next level of animation taken up to the next level because they were playing with the true elements with like you said water fire air earth you know all that all together you know combined and it was done very beautifully and the details in the animation like you said like it was like the with the fire it wasn't just people on fire each character had its own they had their own build their own personalities but you had the same thing with the water people each one of them you know you know wade had the goofy eyes and everything like that but he had his his body you know body shape and the just the looking at the fluids and seeing the bubbles inside of it and just how everything flowed through it even when he had a piece of something inside of him (laughs) it was just like (laughs) it was it was just so well done and then the water everywhere like because the subways were hovers like hover trains because they were like almost like big log flumes and you could see the water splashing over the side the detail in that was just fantastic and i think that's what pixar excels at yeah a couple weeks ago we were raving about the spider-man movie how the animation in that and how they used all the different styles of animation in this this one just used a certain style to it you know for the movie and it was so well done and it represented and how each each world or each area of the city looked different and you know and it fit the mold the the flow even like when they were all on the train the clouds were all floating at the top of it and such and the tree people if the water got too close to them they sprouted and everything and you know it it was just so well thought through all the details with it and that was just what was made the movie pretty amazing and you know the detail even you know amber having the umbrella to keep her from getting wet when water splashed down or if she got too close to a tree or earth person the the foliage burnt off and such but if wade got too close to them the they sprouted and everything and or even using her heat to do a hot air balloon to float above the city and i loved when they found that couple oh we're, we're just picking and everything it was mm-hmm. just that was just awesome yeah that that was funny we're just we're just pruning we're just, <laughs> just pruning. pruning nothing weird here Nothing weird. No, no, no. <laughs> we're just we're just trying each other's apples. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, Again, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what made, that's what made, they, makes Pixar movies so special. And like you said, you've been following them over the years. You could see the evolution all the way from Toy Story up to this, and everything, and just how much more. And you could see that it probably it took eight years for the to create this from the storyboards all the way into the animation and everything. And then oh, you, yeah. the, the, how many animators they have on it, just cause all the detail that goes into it. It's just amazing. And the animation looks like nothing else that's animated now. Like they showed a whole bunch of animated stuff before this, 
and none of it even looks. Oh, the trailers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all like bargain bin animation compared to this. Oh, right? that, that damn Trolls movie and everything? Yeah. Oh. oh, I didn't see the Trolls movie. I did see the one about the Kraken girl. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Teenage Kraken. Yeah. Yes. Which we will not be reviewing here on Earth Station One. Thank you very though. Yeah, <laughs> neither that or or you want to talk about like just you know bargain basement uh, the um uh not to rag on anything in particular but the, the there was a puppy power uh trailer oh, yeah. or something like that and I was like yeah this is this should be straight to video like this <laughs> I don't nobody should see this in the theater I don't think and that's part of the reason too why people may not see this is that so much of the other animated stuff that's being made unless it's Spider Man is really terrible unless it's coming from someplace else right mm-hmm. um you know the rest of the world makes really great animated movies all the time we make like two a year that are good you know and just go for the lowest common denominator it's kind of terrible so mm-hmm. yeah. i did like the cute little throwaway line when he went to see um wade's family for the first time and they're talking to people at the table and one of the kids is named ghibli i thought that was really cute <laughs> I love the kids, Marco and Polo. Yeah, yeah, that was funny too. <laughs> Marco, Polo. <laughs> Apparently, we, I guess they made history because I, I think one of the family members uh, was is trans, and because they made, I saw some article about saying that that was like the first time a trans uh, gendered person had been or character had been in a Pixar movie, and I was like. I didn't even see that. Like they need either. to be better about that. If they're going to do that, they need to really do it and, and not mess around, like just slip it in so that nobody notices. Or we're just so oblivious to it that we, it doesn't. Well, that's true too. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't freak out about it like some people. But to be honest though, right. This is a sensory, sensory overload and stuff to look at, you know? Yes. I mean, yes. in terms of like, I, I just by choice when they were on the subway was reading the sign and it said no leaking, no sprouting, no one other thing. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, that's great. Just like all the little signs. It's very easy to miss something because there's just so much that they put into the world building. Just the sign, you know, if you see a Pixar movie and there's a sign or a rapper, yep. Look at it because yeah, it's going to be everything in the store. Oh, everything God, in the store is a fire pun. And, and I love it. I couldn't get enough of it. Like you said, Mike, we were, I was I was watching the credits at the end, and I just you know, every it was just one fire pun after another. Well, elemental pun, like they were all like they were all represented. Fire, I think, was more represented than the others. But um, let me ask you this, and and I think you know, you know, unlike Moonstruck, you know, whereas I think Moonstruck, you know, I don't know if it was made today, if it would be a big hit, but let's just say it would be right. And and this doesn't the difference between this movie and Moonstruck is that Moonstruck, the minority group uh is is european uh pretty much white right but here it, it's made very clear as rob has pointed out that the uh the fire uh elements are not uh the uh majority they are very much a minority they are not welcome in a lot of the city uh so there's a there's there's i mean they have everything against them they are told to stay in their own section um, for a for a city that is celebrating all four elements, it seems to be that there's one in particular that that is not is getting the short end of the stick. They don't really harp on that as much as they could, I think. Yeah, but it is there. I mean, it is noticeably yeah. there. It is there, but they also could damage things more than the other two elements, right? Absolutely. Um, oh yeah, so, absolutely. But they, they 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 don't really make that delineation. Interesting that they are kind of a mashup of immigration experiences, right? Because you get yes. the, the nods to Ireland, you get the nods to uh, people of Jewish descent coming to America, you get the Asian vibe as well, right? Yep. So it's kind of a mashup of no distinct immigration group, which I think really does help tell the story because it gets away from just instantly having stereotypes. Um, yes. You know, and, and it makes it more but, relatable for yeah. any, everybody, you know? Yeah, but I, I also think too that just the overall acceptance of the other groups of the fire people is really great. It's kind of like they've almost locked themselves into this community too, to a certain extent, they don't leave their own part of town, right? They're afraid to. I think they were forced to because everywhere was no fire allowed, no fire here. Yeah. But yeah, he's walking around. I mean, she's walking around and there's only really 
one time when it's like, oh my god, it's fire, right? Yeah. Um, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of general acceptance kind of going on for you know she's on the subway and nobody's like like freaking out or anything, right? No, but um, there's but she's the only one and she has to hide herself. Yes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. She has to. She hides herself, and and so she does. And and I, I noticed a lot of times when she's walking around the city, um, outside of her own section, there's not a lot of other fire people around yeah. um, at all. Um, and like you said, it is dangerous. I mean, it is one of the most dangerous elements, and and we see that. I mean, just by bumping into someone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like <laughs> like they just go up, especially if you're Earth, right? Um, and you get bo- and you boil if you're, you know, if you're in water. So, uh, although I think my, one of my favorite moments in the, in the movie is, uh, when they're quote unquote breaking in to the museum to see the, the flower, uh, they, uh, fire just goes right through the fence and water just goes, goes, goes right through the fence as well. And they're like, why do they even have these? <laughs> Like, what's the point? I mean, I guess for Earth, right? Because I w- it wouldn't stop uh, the air folks either, I don't think. Surely. Right. <laughs> I did like uh, I did like the uh, the the wind folks as well. We didn't get a lot of wind and 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 Earth folks uh, represented, but I mean, we saw yeah. a little bit of them. But it was basically about the two, I guess, strongest, probably and most opposite. Uh, elements which is fire which is fire and water mm-hmm. i like gail though the uh the uh main head inspector <laughs> she mm. was hilarious at first when i first saw her i thought is that amy Sh- supposed to be amy schumer because it looks a lot like her <laughs> <laughs> i thought it sounded like katie seagal when i was trying to figure out the voice mm-hmm. but yeah <laughs> i mean with neither of them so so I saw yeah. this with uh michelle and uh she liked it a lot as well she knew nothing about it going in. All she knew is that it's Pixar. Uh, we saw it in 3D because we, we enjoy doing that, especially with Pixar movies. And uh, we did, you know, afterwards she did say, didn't really think the movie needed to be in 3D. Uh, they didn't really do anything special in 3D or nothing really stood out. I mean, 3D always adds a depth to it, but there wasn't any moment in here where I thought, oh my God, you need to see it in 3D because this this part was marvelous. But the other thing she said that I found was interesting is that she uh, noticed that when the credits rolled, she was like, oh, wow, I thought surely I'd be recognizing all these actors doing these voices. And she's like, I didn't know anybody. Like, she's like, I didn't know any of these people. And and so yep. I don't I don't know if they were just using uh, I mean, Catherine O'Hara is probably the most well-known person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of like that, though. I like the fact that I wasn't really distracted by not knowing those were um mm-hmm. but it, it might be too it might be a budget thing because they just don't have the money to get people or it might be a conscientious mm-hmm. choice that they wanted people of color to be the voices of yeah people that I, were from immigrant backgrounds do you think putting more recognizable voices would have helped the the marketing and box office of this movie i think they can't win because if they put tom hanks voicing the the dad who's obviously of Asian descent it's it's going to backfire right right um so if they if they go one too many and, ways and James Hong can't do every movie yeah um, <laughs> well it was interesting though because I was also waiting to hear you know John Ratzenberg and I didn't yeah once. I don't I, I'm waiting to see because I'm going through the movies now but I think there's a point where he stops doing Pixar movies and I'm I have I'm I'm wondering when that is because. I don't know if he was in the, I don't know if he was in Lightyear and I don't know if he was in uh, Turning Red. I, I don't know when the last one he was in. So that's something I'm, I'm actually discovering that, but he is no longer uh, a Pixar like must. Yeah. So, so to be honest, they kind of shoehorned him in a couple of times already, you know, <laughs> and the ones that I've been watching. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shirley, is there anything else about the movie in particular that stood out for you, either good or bad? Um, the good is that relationship between Wade and Amber. It was like, it's, it started off like, no, I don't like, you know, then of course, you know, it grows almost like, almost like a Hallmark movie. (laughs) But I mean, I'll admit there were some, there were some moments I actually, I actually cried because, um, I think it was Amber, you know, struggling to find out, 
you know, why, you know, why does she, she said her temper was telling her something? And it's like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think they, like about halfway through the movie, she makes that uh, sort of orb with the flower in it and shows that she has a creative side. I think I wish I would, that was peppered in the movie a little bit before then, because it seemed like it came out of nowhere. And then it was like, oh, she needs to, she's not... She doesn't, she shouldn't be doing the store, right? Because mm-hmm. I think it would have helped you, Mike, too, because you were saying you didn't like it. Because I think that would have given her, given us a reason to look at her and go, yeah, you're meant for better, other things. Um, well, you did see that she had the, the control of the glass and everything. Because one of her outbursts, she busted one of the glass on one of the containers in the front of the store. Right. Right. She could repair things, but yeah. we never saw her like do anything really. No, you didn't see her being artistic or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. All she was doing was either, you know, repair something or fix that dam. <laughs> <laughs> or she was actually, you know, dam, dam. the pipe the water into the pipes and everything. Yeah. yeah. I liked how when I was watching the credits, um, they thanked they listed a thing thanks to the people um, and they talked about Oakland. Uh, and they listed a couple places. I said for for telling us their stories. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot. I think they probably did a focus group or met with people that were that came to the U.S. from other countries. Mm-hmm. Yes, got their story and used that as part of the research. Yeah, oh, I'm and sure. I kind that that seems like a much more genuine form of storytelling than than some of the stuff Hollywood's getting. Um, they did and that for was, Soul too. This may be see, that one I didn't see, but this may be. Uh, a film that is, you know, five or six years ahead of its time too. It's just the way it looks. And I mean, it looks fantastic. Just the, when you look at, I mean, the water, the water guys, I get it. They're okay. Right. But when you look at all of the fire people and how they're continuously burning and it's really a remarkable um, test of animation and the fluidity of it, even the air people, because they, the, they're clouds and they're expanding and, and, and contracting as they move. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, this is pretty cool. Absolutely. So well done. All right. So yeah, I'll give a, th- a thumbs up to this one. Yeah. Right. Oh God. People yeah, should, definitely. people should see it in the theater. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I right. think they should. I think they should for one, two, we're at the point where if you want movies to be made like this, you have to you go have to support, support them, them. Yeah. and you have yeah. to tell your friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you, if you generally like movies that are intelligent, you, you show them with your wallet. You just, it's just, that's how it is. I oh, know it's going to be streaming later, but do it. Plus going to the movies is awesome. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Especially, especially when you're trying to drown out all that ex- extra noise now that you've gotten. The For me, I have to put, I put Bluetooth headphones on because if it gets too loud, I will get a headache. Seriously. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So. Um, that's elemental. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to hear because I, I mean, you all saw the trailers, so I'm, I'm hoping you guys saw the same one that I did. Uh, do you have any like thoughts about Elio, the next Pixar movie that is slated to uh, hit theaters? Um, uh, any thoughts on Elio? Did you guys see the trailer for that? I they did. did not show it here. Oh, ouch! Uh, uh, they did show it here. They did show it on uh, my end. Yeah, yeah, we got. Um... We got the trolls one. We got uh, another one um, that's animated that I can't remember what it was, but it was horrible. Shirley, are you excited for early Elio? It looks pretty good to me. I like I like how it looks. You mm-hmm. know, the thinking the the fact that they think the kid they think the kid is like the leader of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Why did like, you change that's... your voice? This is how I always talk. <laughs> this is how I always talk. It does look like it's kind of fun. So, uh, and there, and it's a, a unique property. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's, uh, written and directed by, uh, the guy that did, I believe, Coco. So, uh, so yeah, let's, um, oh, and he produced Turning Red too. So, uh, so yeah, good guys. So anyway, um, that's all we've got for Elemental. We liked it. Um, go see it and uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we come back and close out the show
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Marvel has had, and still is having, so much coming out on Disney+. Plus. One of those shows is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, an animated show that follows super genius Lunella. So, she accidentally brings a 10-ton dinosaur into our time, and the two become superheroes to protect the city's Lower East Side. This show has wonderfully written characters, yes, even Devil Dinosaur, who has their own amazing personality, and great music choices for each episode. You see Lunella's interactions with her family, who own a skating rink, as well as how hard it is for a super genius who's 13 years old to make friends at her school, which she does with her fabulous friend Casey, who decides she is Moon Girl's manager and super suit creator. This show also does a great job of showing what a melting pot the city is, showing Casey with two dads and her life as a Jewish Puerto Rican girl, who just happens to also have a super genius best friend. The villains are over the top and wonderful as well. From a crazy influencer who tries to steal some of Moon Girl's, you know, super genius devices, to a super villain who also becomes Moon Girl's teacher to lots of other very fun and creative foes for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. The animation of this show is also wonderfully unique and so fun to watch. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur can be found on Disney Plus or Disney XD and the Disney Channel if you still have cable. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Clang! Clang! Clunk. We got some beer today. Yeah, beer. Big boys. But our podcast isn't about the booze. It's not just about It's not just things. about drinking and oh. clinking things. Oh, you're right. It is about, like, nerdy things Nerd and comic stuff. books and video games and movies. and Nerd stuff. Yeah. If you like anything nerdy, grab a drink and be nerdy with us. Join us. On, but first, let's talk nerdy. <laughs> That's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Shirley, thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, um, I'm a part of a group of friends. We do our show, Beyond the Airwaves, Leveling Up. And we'll be doing, you know, we did not have a show tonight because it's Juneteenth. Uh, but we do have shows tomorrow through the rest of the week. And I'll be doing, I'll be doing a run of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links on Wednesday. Nice. <laughs> Yes, I do play that one. I do, I do stream that on Wednesday, uh, every couple, every other Wednesday on YouTube. But uh, yeah, you can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, TikTok. That's awesome. That That's is a lot. Awesome. That's a lot. You're everywhere. Yes, we are everywhere. <laughs> yes, remember that, folks. And Mr. Rob, thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I should probably mention the uh, the side hustle I have on the network. That would um, be a good idea. Modern Musicology with uh, Alan Seiler, Anthony Williams, and Stephanie Seymour. We talk about music. We have guests. We do shenanigans. Um, we just recorded our 74th show. We're going to do number 75. Congrats. Um, so um, we're doing that. So if you like music or even if you just casually like music, please check it out. Or, you know, any of the other shows on the network, just explore it. If this is the only thing you watch on the network, take a deep dive and, you know, think of it as streaming, but for people who make content that you might know. Um, you might enjoy. Also, also, I'm about uh, five months into a new gig with Louder Than War Radio, doing an internet radio show on Mondays called Antics. And um, you should check that out. It's Mondays, 6 to 8 Greenwich time, 1 to 3 cent, uh, Eastern, 12 to 2 Central and it's all streaming as well on Mixcloud under Louder Than War Radio. That is awesome. Definitely check it out, folks. Definitely good stuff there. And then, of course, Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, sir. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about, sir? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to. I mean, uh, I I love working with my uh, with the crew we have on Dragon Con Report. It is uh, always fun. Uh, and uh, we are getting closer and closer to the con itself. 
Um, we just recorded and released our sixth episode. Uh, so we've got two more, I think, to go before the big convention. But this one, um, this one was special. Uh, we, uh, we actually had an interview with co-chair Rachel Reeves, uh, which I think is probably the highest ranked person at DragonCon that we've ever talked to in our over decade worth of doing the show. Uh, Rachel was that we could talk to. Yeah, Rachel was uh, super nice. Uh, it was really fun to talk to her. Her experience at Dragon Con, growing up with the the con and growing up around the con and all that is is really unique and uh, a great story in and of itself. So uh, even if you're not planning to go to Dragon Con, if you're just interested in conventions and and what it's like to grow up around a convention or in a convention family, uh, listen to the interview we have with Rachel Reeves. I think it's uh, one of our best episodes. It's a great story. It's a great, fun, fun episode. I was glad to produce it for you guys. So it was awesome. Yeah, thankful for that too. Oh yeah, it was definitely interesting. Uh, my shout out real quick. Um, going to see more live music. I think this last weekend we had a full, full weekend. Um, we actually got to see um, Duran Duran of all bands on nice. Thursday, and it was, it was fun. a ton of fun. And then we got to see James Taylor on Friday and James is getting up there in years and his voice is nowhere near what it used to be, but it still was such a good show. And it was weird going from such high energy with Duran Duran (laughs) and those guys are in their sixties too, but they still could bring it. But James Taylor was so mellow, so laid back. (laughs) And then on Sunday we finished it up. We got to go to the Atlanta symphony. And oh, nice! They got we got to they got to finish up their season, and it was a great, great, a fun time to go see and everything. And then we got to go see two movies over the weekend too. Mm-hmm. So we barely slept. It was good. It was it was a ton of fun to be able to go do this stuff, and it's just great to be able to get out again and do these kind of things. But it's also great to support live events, and you know. Summertime's great because there's not just live concerts and such, but there's also festivals like street mm-hmm. fairs and farmers markets and all these great things. And it's just there's so much in the world to be able to go see and do. And it's I'm glad to be able to do things like that. And, you know, it was just a blast to be able to do that. And I think the next concert we have, this is coming out a week from tonight, the next day after this comes out, we're going to go see The Cure. So it should be, you know, equally as fun. So it should be tons of fun to do. And you know what? It's always great to do. And speaking of things fun to do, that's going to be it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Earth Station One podcast. You know, we are a part of the ESO network. We would definitely love to hear from you guys. Please send us feedback at earthstation1.com. It's the best way to get in touch with us. If you get a chance, please subscribe to the show. We could be found on Apple, you or a- Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. We're also up on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. It's always a great way to you know do that with us and everything. And you know what? We've been getting more and more subscribers. And if you get a chance, please subscribe to the show. That helps our algorithm up. And you know, more people like and subscribe. You know, if you get a chance, also. Hit the little star at the top and, you know, that way, you know, when we have our episodes come out, because we're coming to you twice a week. We now release on both Mondays and on Thursdays. So it's pretty cool that we're coming to you that way. It's it's a great thing. Also want to give a good shout out to our patrons. Let's say hey to Brian S., Tony Bowers, Elizabeth Raber, Barbara Ogle, Michael Thompson, and Drakeus. Definitely thank you guys for helping us and subscribing to our Patreon. You can also help then also be part of the network and help subscribe to the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. It's pretty cool stuff, folks. We get, you know, you get special swag. You get some really cool stuff if you become part of the patron and you get our episodes two days early. So it's pretty cool like that. So definitely check it out. Also, while we're at it, let's also... Say thank you to everyone who has been, you know, leaving us feedback and just subscribing to the network and everything. And, you know, listening to the different shows on ESO is always a great way to do it, folks. Like Rob had said, we've got some great shows and we actually have a new show joining the network. That's right. We have the Three Fry Short podcast. 
It is a Stargate podcast, folks. It's pretty darn awesome. So definitely check it out. It's tons of fun. And Rebecca and her crew are, your guys are going to fall in love with it. It's a great show. And if you like Stargate, it's even better because they actually talk to actually folks from the show and interview them and stuff from, and you know, the rumors are going on that the show's getting, coming back or possibly reboot. So it should be very interesting to see. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you here next time on Earth Station. Bye. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.